Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope your weekend was nice. We're off to a good start. It's already Monday. The sun is shining. Everything looks pretty, pretty optimistic in my world. I've got a great show. Patrick Albanese is going to be joining me to get things started here in just a minute. Then the Monday afternoon mix will uh, continue. We're going to study um, the Sermon on the Mount. This is part three of that study with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. And that's hour one. And then uh, Joel Malik is going to be joining me at the top of hour two. We're going to talk about the retirement lie and how to live a future worthy of dreams. And we're also going to take questions. If you have a question about your finances or am I doing the right thing or should I just keep my money in mayonnaise jars underneath my bed? We'll find out what the answer is to all that. And then uh, we're going to learn some Greek at the end with Chris Palmer, my favorite Greek geek, as you know. I love uh, Chris Palmer and everything he's going to teach us, um, so it's always good to learn some Greek. That's the show for today. Always glad to get things started on Monday, though, with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines, Patrick Albanese. Patrick, nice to have you on. Always good to be on, by the way. Yes, you can keep your money in mayonnaise jars, but first, take the mayonnaise out. <laughs> you know, you always <laughs> learn stuff the hard way, don't you? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it starts to look a lot like a salad in there with the, uh, <laughs> with the fives. And my, my brother left a bunch of cash under a waterbed. That, uh, oh, interesting. That was, co- that was cold, wet cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you drained the waterbed, there was this cash, and you guys discovered it, or did he tell you it was there? Uh, so he had passed away, uh-huh. and uh, my brother and I had to you know go through the house and— uh, uh, my my sister had said, you know, uh, Bob tended to hide cash because he didn't uh, he didn't want to put money in the banks. He just didn't like banks. So she says, nothing is what it seems in this house. Just so you know, that's not a that's not a can of coffee. <laughs> that's a can of cash. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but we just certainly didn't expect that when we drained the water bed that we'd find hundreds and hundreds of dollars. <laughs> I don't. I, I I just can't imagine if he needed some cash for something, having to pick up the corner of a water bed to grab a twenty. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's what he did. It was uh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, it yep. uh, cash does come in handy well, when you have something that I went through on Friday night when you wake up and you go, you know, the water doesn't <laughs> seem that hot. Right now, I gotta I gotta run it longer to get it hotter. Then the more yeah. you run it, the colder it becomes. Well, my ice dispenser is working like it's <laughs> never worked before. <laughs> I've got buckets of ice all yeah. over the place, even in the shower. Wow! Yeah. So you lost the hot water heater. Well, yeah. I mean, you have no negotiating skills either when it comes to you know talking. I mean, you'll come out Monday and do it. Okay. What are you going to charge? Oh, it doesn't matter. Just come. <laughs> That's. It's, Okay, that's one day without hot water. Hang on, it's pretty hot outside. I mean, it could have been the winter. It could have been winter. When you think about yeah. it. Yeah. And then I and I, uh I felt so grateful, Patrick, you know, that I You I, get I, nervous, I, don't you? You get ah, you get a little nervous, but you know, you think Jesus never ever took a hot shower. Ever. No, well, even in the summer, it's it sometimes well, I guess you'd have to have a 
Well, I had a friend that they was stationed in Afghanistan. He he took nothing but hot showers. Okay. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. yeah, I don't know what the shower system was in the first century. I don't know what Jesus would have done if he just would have gone into the, yeah. the river and, and cleaned off a little bit. I don't know. Did they, did they ever have some system rigged up where there was, you know, water coming out of uh, a, a pouch or a bag or a old wineskin or something? Who yeah. knows? Like, the, yeah, did it sit aside for a little while and, and just get a little bit warm? Or did, you know, somebody probably, there were probably some people that had uh, the luxury of heating up water that then they would have 32 people that worked for them. <laughs> let's, just, let's call them employees for the time. Right. That would fill, fill a tub with some pretty warm water. Um, but, you know, now, so you bring somebody over, you know, you have a repair and, and of course, you, you know, it's going to be expensive, but what, aren't you always worried about, you know, the guys down there and then, uh, you're in the other room, you're in the kitchen trying to keep an eye and to make sure he's, 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 you know, he's actually working and you don't want to go too far away. And aren't you always afraid you're going to hear, uh, oh, that's <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you just go. Well, what's not good? Yeah. Oh, I've never, I've never seen yeah. this before. <laughs> I've never seen this before. And you're telling me you haven't had any spontaneous fires break out in your home. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me a great line when we were talking earlier about surprises, because I said, "Yeah, it's always the surprises that you say." Oh, I don't want surprises. Right. There's always surprises, right? Right. But the the biggest surprise is when there are no surprises. That's the biggest when surprise. They say, nah, it's the biggest surprise when they say it went textbook. Absolutely, it's ex- you know it's going to cost exactly what I quoted you. It's uh, the job is going to take me exactly as I showed up on time, and I'm going to be out of here on time, and uh, you'll have your hot water back. And you say, I'm surprised. I know, I know. <laughs> the biggest surprise of all, no surprises. And then when they start talking in terminology that is confusing, like, well, you got a two and three quarters coupler valve on this one, and I'm going, ooh, oh. is, that, is that good or bad? I don't even know. <laughs> You said, what are they, what's the standard? Right, exactly. Is it up to code? This neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I have a four-season porch on the back of my house, and then I, I had a, a deck that was in desperate need of repair. And so I thought, well, I should check to see, you know, did they, you're, you're, you're afraid. You have to go to the, to the city hall, say, could you please look up the permits on my house? Because I need to find out. Without tipping my hat to you, should have this. Because going, I want to know if the, if the deck and the four season porch were actually built, you know, up to code, done with permits. Because the thing you're afraid is that you're going to be, you know, sitting there with the guy going over the books, and you're going to say, "Huh, I can't seem to find the permit for my four season porch." He says, "He's going to say, well, there isn't one, so that's going to have to come down." <laughs> Yeah. And of course, speaking of finances, you know, we all believe as a Christian, I believe that it all belongs to the Lord and everything that you have comes from him. And not only that, but your ability to enjoy what you have comes from him because you and I both know fabulously wealthy people that have miserable lives and they can't seem to be happy about anything. Um, And I was just reading an article and I passed it on to you, which I thought was interesting uh, from Quentin Tarantino, the director, who has amassed quite a fortune. Uh, upwards of $120 million. Yeah. And uh, he was busy writing screenplays when he was 12. And the teacher said, you know, your son is distracted and we need to get him on task to do the assignments. And his mom said, you know, you got to work on what the teacher wants you to work on. 
And he made the declaration at that point that he was not going to ever, ever reward his mother with any money whatsoever from his wealth if he was a successful screenwriter. And to this day, he has not helped his mom one bit. It just seems kind of harsh to me. A little harsh. Yeah. Your mom gives you life through the Lord, so it seems like yeah, you always yeah, want to so give your mom the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I think that's got some value, don't you think? Uh-huh. You know, with without that particular event, uh, I don't think you'd be writing screenplays at all. That's just a, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put that out there. But and it's also, you, you say you're 12 years old, and, uh, you know, especially you think he's of the same era that we were, you had to f- do your schoolwork. Right. You know, maybe maybe they don't ask you to do schoolwork these days. Maybe they say, you're going to be a YouTube star, don't worry about it. Right. But back then, the advice that he was given and his mother coming down on him and saying, you got to focus on your schoolwork was the same advice all of us got. We, we all and we all still manage to take care of our mothers. And it, it, there's also a part of me that says, well, how do you know that 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 anger that he had about her saying, get on task, you know, quit this ridiculous dream of yours of writing screenplays? wasn't the actual motivating factor mm-hmm. because there are some people that are, they're, they're negatively motivated. Uh, you know, I, I, as you know, I can be that way. I, I have some friends that would often bring projects to me and they would often start with, I bet you can't do this, but mm. anyway, here it is. <laughs> and, and that was always a motivator. It's like, don't say that. Mm-hmm. But what if, what if his mom's words were the actual thing that motivated him to become who he is today? That right. he says, that's it. I'm going to show her. You yeah. owe her that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you're that age well, and, and you've got a, a son that age, that's got a pretty creative, inventive mind. I mean, he's taking music lessons and share with, with everyone what he said or what he did. I found that so funny. Well, so yeah, he's, he's actually, he's pretty good. You know, I, I know that everybody wants to talk about the kids saying, well, you, you haven't seen a talent quite like this, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of my kids and I, and I, I see some of the stuff they do. My, my, my daughter wanted to be a singer and, uh, she didn't seem very good. Uh, so, but she was determined to do it and she started taking voice lessons and she, she ended up, she's, she's gotten good. And my son seems to have a natural affinity for the piano. He seems to be able to play it and he can figure things out and sound them out. So I, I signed him up for some piano lessons and, you know, she said, I don't know where he is because he hasn't taken any real formal lessons. So she handed him this like 200 page ebook to start with and said, start working on this book. Um, and then when you hit the wall, then that's where we'll begin your lessons. So he finished all 200 pages in about a week. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I brought him in and she says, I'll, I'll work with him one-on-one. And the other day she, she comes to me and she says, I, you know, he's really advanced in this, this one area. He just figures things out so quickly. So uh, I'm going to give him, how about, a, is he like Beatles music? I said, well, you know, he will, you know, if I, if I tell him, you must. Uh, so she said, you know, I think, you know, Let It Be might be a, a fun song for him uh, to learn. And it's got a, a whole bunch of chord changes and he really loves that kind of stuff. So she gives him the, the, the sheet music and we're driving home. I wish I had the level of confidence uh, of my son who will be 11 next week. 
Uh, I said, well, you know, you, you think you can handle it? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, what, what did you think of it? You know, you like this? He goes, I like this song. Yeah. I said, there's a lot of, a lot of chord changes in there. You know, you, do, are you comfortable with them? He says, yeah, they were okay, but uh, I fixed them. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is like, you fixed a Beatles song. You f- you fixed a Beatles song. There you go. You you couldn't just let it be, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I need to take a pause <laughs> you, after that story. You had to fix a Beatles song. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Patrick. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We're getting things started a little bit on the light note. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, more Patrick. And then uh, the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. Continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount. So get your Bibles open. Matthews 5 through 7. Be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. That theme song belongs to Patrick Albanese, my good friend from Iowa. We have had a lot of history of working together um, and performing uh, together or side by side, something like that. Um, and I always like starting my week yeah. off on a little bit of a light note because isn't isn't the week heavy enough? Isn't there so much on our plate every week? And it seems as you get older, there's more and more things. And then the the, the brain fog can show up and you've got an anniversary this week. I assume you remembered it. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, I... I'm, I appear to have remembered it. It's just a matter of trying to trying to convince my wife that the way to commemorate the 13th anniversary is with a post-it note and granola, a big bowl of granola. So, so far, uh, I said, yeah, you, didn't you not know that, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's tin and there's you know, aluminum and gold and silver, but... 13 it's an unusual number it's a it's a prime number i threw that one in there i sounded like jeff Goldblum. it's it's a, it's a prime number uh yeah that's that's the post-it note and box of granola uh anniversary i i think i bought her some flowers last week for no reason and realized i was a week <laughs> now i have to do it again <laughs> well it's very thoughtful of you but you also will always want to reinforce to, yeah. that you know the 50th is gold like, give her something to look forward to. I don't think you'll be around, but I think it's I, I something might, to look forward to, right? Yeah, I'll set something aside in a time capsule, most <laughs> likely. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and then, you, of course, you go to, uh, since I'm an early morning riser, and uh, um, I thought, well, you know, the grocery store has a little card aisle. And you find, you're going, yeah, you got to find that special card. I mean, this is the person, you know, you're married to. And, and I did. But it was nine ninety nine. I said that's a little too pricey for you know for an anniversary. So I find if you dig just a little bit, you can sometimes find the older cards that are a little less expensive. And so I just I pulled the shelving unit out just a wee tad, <laughs> and I found an old card. I found a very old card, and it had a Jimmy Walker on it. Yeah. And it said, "Your thirteenth anniversary is going to be dynamite," <laughs> and uh, that was a dollar five. Yeah. So, Oh, uh, I hope you didn't buy that I one. I bought that one. Did you? Oh, I'm so disappointed. Well, I, oh, I'm not going to give it to her. I'm going to keep that one for <laughs> next year. <laughs> well, I'm saving that for the 50th anniversary. Okay. Where'd you find this? Yeah. You know, so so just, it's not you. You spoke at my wedding. 
I did. You I, stood up at my wedding. I did. That was fascinating because um, this is the way men communicate. Uh, we were gathered in a room, and you were all dressed up, ready to get married, and we're chatting. And the service was getting ready to start, and I thought, oh, I better go take my seat. And the pastor said, well, <clears throat> where are you going? You're in, you're in the wedding party. I go, I am? <laughs> I did not know I was a groomsman until 30 seconds before the ceremony started. Well, because I, I, what I because re- what I did is I said I, I really have three best men. Uh, it was you, uh, my friend Craig, and my brother Mike. And so I said I, these are the people I want standing up and uh, at the wedding. And uh, by the way, I thought that uh, when you when you and you you gave a toast, which I, I thought was very nice. very nice. I you know I was much older when I got married, so when it started out and you're reading. You know, I'm really going to miss Patrick. I said, you, you so, I'm sorry. This is your eulogy. I thought that I'd be reading this first. You had pre-written all this stuff. I did. It was all pre-written. <clears throat> yeah, you're just, you're going through the Rolodex going, oh, yes, wedding right here. Yeah, here it is. Case. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I was pretty sure I was going to be reading your eulogy first. Yeah. So uh, you still have that, don't you? Oh, yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's ready to go. So, um, and I say that with great affection. Um, just had a yes. nice uh, uh, question from someone wanting to know, is Patrick Albanese an heir to the Albanese candy fortune, the gummy bears? And I, I wish I, you were, actually. I, I wish I was. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my, my sister, the, the candy factory is in Indiana somewhere, near Indianapolis, I believe. I still have family in Chicago. And one of my last trips, my sister said, you know, you ought to go. Uh, it's a pretty cool little tour of the factory. I said, well, do I get a, you know, at least like a discount on the ticket for being in Albany? She's like, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, not only am I not an heir, I can't even save five ninety five on the price of the tour. But I'd say once a month, somebody sends me a picture and asks, you know, is this you? And I say, well, you know, the, the candy company is not me, but the gummy part is. Yes, I'm very gummy. I'm not... Uh, it's a very big company, and I guess they make terrific chocolates, too. Yeah. Do you ever uh, have a bag laying around the house when people come over, just like, hey, did you know? Hmm? Just kind of tease it out there? Yeah. Yeah, We've what we did is we uh, we built kind of a tree, and we used bulldog <laughs> clips, and we just hang bags all over it. You know, to, <laughs> because you don't want to have a single bag. In order to create the illusion that this is your company, you have to make it look like you have an endless supply That's of true. The stuff. That's so, true. Yeah. yeah, you just combine you. Pluck one of the bags right off the tree. And I say, like that. So take are, some of the, are you back take to some sh- of our candy? Home. Are you back yeah. to shaking hands with people? I know we kind of stopped doing that for a while during yeah. COVID. Is that back in your world? Are you doing that? Uh, it, sometimes, you know, it, it's funny how you, you, you know, have you noticed you got that approach with people uh, that it's, you sort of look, you nod. And then there's, as the hand goes out, you wait for somebody to sort of turn the shoulder and the elbow comes forward. Uh, and then sometimes the hand comes forward. Right. So I have been shaking hands, bumping fists, and touching elbows. Okay. But uh, I, I I was under the impression that they had decided almost a year ago that the virus doesn't transfer that way. So uh, I don't know. I I liked shaking hands. I could get used to probably just about anything. Um, I spent some time in Japan, and I got used to bowing. Mm-hmm. 
Imagine oh, in the first right. century when you greet each other with a peaceful kiss. Yeah, yeah. Things have changed a bit, so I don't know what's coming next. But uh, it's, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what, you know, the next plan is in terms of are we going to go back to locking down or, I wonder. you know, more, more social distancing? Because I've been really enjoying seeing people again. Um you know, I, a friend of mine was telling me, in fact, earlier today, he ran into a guy that had been just had no social contact for about a year and a half. And he finally came out to an event. And he said he completely lost the skill. <laughs> he said it was incredibly awkward having him there. He didn't know how to talk to people. He didn't know how to interact. Like, wow, could you actually lose the ability to interact with people I think you in can, person? I think you can lose some of your edge when it comes to making small talk. I think some yeah. of it is, you know, it's a little stressful to make small talk if you're not good at it. And for some people who have had 16 months off of doing it, they may feel a little bit of anxiety going back in. You and yeah. I, I don't think you, you and I have a problem with small talk. I think, you know, it's, I think it's really healthy to talk to strangers. I, you and I do that quite a bit because I think it's fun. Yeah. Um, and I always think I, I never know what opportunity I'm going to have to have the discussion, take it to the next step where I can say, oh, uh, so you're a person of faith or I'm so glad to hear that about you. You just never yeah. know what people are going to reveal. Yeah. And it, it's funny. We do keep a lot of that close to the vest. Uh, and you, it's like you're never going to find any of that out until you actually begin a conversation, which is going to be usually just a little bit of chit chat. Uh, you know, I mean, it could be anywhere, a little coffee shop. Yeah, that's, uh, and I think we were talking about that way back. I, I missed that the most, yeah. just interacting with people. Do you so talk, much fun. Do you talk to people at the uh, gas pump when you're pumping gas and the person on the, on the other side of the pump, do you make conversation with that person? Like, Hey, how do you like your car or anything like that? Or yeah, nice all the time. Having. Often, yeah. Often, I'll uh, talk to somebody, and they've let's say that they're you know they've got the actual pump you know in their tank. I say, hey, before you hang that thing up, could you hand it over this way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's and probably way easier for that's a good iceberg. It is. It's probably way easier for men to have and to strike up conversations. I feel sorry uh, for women that they might they may have a harder time doing that, and I understand why. Is that fair? Oh, sure. And, and it, I think it is fair d depending on, you know, I, I think women might feel more comfortable talking to each other, but sure. the women always have to be careful. Of, well, I don't want to talk to that guy. I don't want him to think that there's anything going on other than chit chat. Yeah. We're just chit chatting. Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm perfectly comfortable, as I know you are saying, look, the extent of our interaction, stranger, uh, you know, and at the gas pump will be these three minutes. And that's it. We'll never <laughs> right. see each other again. Right. Let's make it enjoyable. Right, right. Patrick, I appreciate you. And um, I was reading an article about how people that value friendships are much happier in life. And I value your friendship very much. So I think that makes me happier. I appreciate it. I value yours as well. And by the way, a little takeaway for today. The first Polish language dictionary came out in 1746. It included definitions such as this. Horse. Everyone knows what a horse is. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, have a great day. Patrick Albanese has been my guest to get things started, and we're going to continue now with the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., you're back.
plenty. I mean, it's the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. It's awfully nice to be with you folk. So good to be with you, Bill. Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. So, I can't even do it. <laughs> that kind of, the fact you tried makes us very happy. That's real cool, Rosie. That was like dope. I'm I, like, I, that was good. I've been, I've been drinking dairy just to get that low for you. <laughs> nice. All nice. day. Cheese, nice. dairy, just to get that low bravado. Cheese. So this is part three in our discussion on the Sermon on the Mount. That would be a Matthew 5 through 7. If you have your Bible open, you want to follow along with what we're going to discuss today. We've got some heavy stuff to go over today, David and Rosie. It looks like uh, anger and murder, as well as lust and adultery. Yeah. We're just following the text. That's not a light plate for Monday. It's a good thing Patrick was on before. I know. But you followed the text. I didn't get to listen to all of it with Patrick, but so cool that people uh, get to. And like last time we talked, um, we talked about anger and we talked about insults. And one of the things that I was just saying earlier, Bill, to Rosie was just the whole comment of um, how children, and I had a classmate of mine who had strawberry blonde hair, and she just protested that I'm a blonde. And so Rosie, last week when you were talking about just the hurt around the issue of being called ginger. And, and right. I think you said something about uh, some person made a comment even about a, about salvation based upon that. Or did... Well, so it's, you know, it's just interesting because I think everything has its season of what's in, you know, popular. And so my sons were junior high and sophomore and freshman and sophomore year of high school when the anti-ginger was out there. And so literally somebody whispered in the middle of his class, gingers don't have souls. And then that kind of walked around, you know, he would get notes delivered and they were, it was just so horribly mean. They all thought they were being funny, you know, but after a while, see, that's the funny thing about humor is after a while, it stops being funny to the person you are teasing. Right. Right. Like it, it has its shelf life and then you need to stop. Yeah, and like sometimes people say, oh, you know, but I'm just joking. Right. I'm just being sarcastic. And, you know, my kids don't necessarily love, you know, um, studying words and stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and language as, as as a pastor and loving etymology and stuff like that. Well, sarcasm, the word sarks is one of the Greek words for flesh, and chasm means to divide. So literally sarcasm means to defy, to, to, to divide or to cut the flesh. Mm. And it's like, that's a fairly accurate statement at times, because I'm sure, you know, your son, I think as you were saying, this wasn't like a minor thing. It really impacted him. It did. It went on for a long time. And it's also, you know, one of those things that are learning lessons for all of us because God uses it, right? He uses it to bring iron in your own spirit for forgiveness, for um, how we are to be treating other people because you really don't know how to treat other people until you've been treated poorly or well by somebody else yourself. Right. Wisdom. We're talking about that tomorrow. I know we are, Bill. I was looking at you. You're right. So let's make a comment on this. The old lie of sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That is a lie. That's a straight up lie. That's a lie. And And you know, I wonder if adults shouldn't be more proactive in doing humor intervention with young kids because kids don't it doesn't resonate in their frontal cortex that what they're doing is not funny but it's very harmful mm-hmm. and i can speak from experience and this is something very shameful for me that causes me to suffer even mentioning it because i i grew up with a very tight-knit little class and 
one girl we teased. We just teased her. And nobody, <clears throat> no, excuse me, nobody stepped in and said, what you're doing is not nice. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that was somebody else's fault. I'm going to take responsibility for a bunch of kids teasing this mm-hmm. beautiful young girl that we found things to make fun of, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm ashamed because I contributed to her unhappiness. And when she was 20, she put a gun in her mouth and pulled the trigger. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Bill. <sighs> that is so, that's hard, right? And and the forgiveness of the Lord for, I think that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. As as he convicts us of wrongdoing, he also ushers, ushers us into an opportunity for forgiveness, not only of other people, but for ourselves. Yeah. Because I I have to admit, when my sons were going through this, I had to look back at my own behavior in grade school. And I I maybe wasn't the proponent of the teasing, but I certainly wasn't a proponent of coming to somebody's aid. Right. Right. And so I was convicted of how many times I saw teasing and didn't have enough gumption in my own character to stand up and say, hey, that's maybe not so good. Right. Yeah. And so it's, you know, we're, we are works in progress. And I think that's like a reminder of, you know, the importance of understanding like group things. So, you know, Gerald Tribble talks about in-group, out-group dynamics and groupthink and how people can begin to think certain things about people, um, like people who had red hair. And, and, and they start jumping into this thing and get kind of carried away. Um, I remember seeing a little um, a video by a guy named Derek Black, who was the 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 godson of David Duke. Mm-hmm. And he was doing an interview with a guy named Eli Slothner with uh, Trevor Trevor um, uh, Trevor Noah, the late night guy. And it was talking about how he basically helped start the Daily Stormer website, which was a, you know, KKK site. Mm-hmm. And like what happened? Well, he went to college and he started meeting these individuals who had this profound impact upon his life. And they were, you know, Noah's asking him about this relationship that they have. And Black makes this interesting thing. He said, you know, we used to walk into, like, he's like, I grew up in a household. They didn't use the N-word or things like that. You know, they were just very, you know, professional. And he said, we wanted to come across that way. And he goes, we'd go into cafes and sit down and talk with people. And we'd say, you know, don't you, like, dislike what you see what's happening to the country and doesn't it seem like certain people shouldn't be here? And he says, we'd have people. But here's what's interesting that Derek said. Derek said, our greatest fear wasn't other ethnic people, because we didn't think you were our equals anyways. Our greatest fear is when another fellow white person said, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Stop that. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And he said, that was our greatest fear, is that one person you know, and many of us have seen the photo of the one man standing up in the crowd of people in Germany who refuses to to, to bow. It really can be one person um, who really makes a difference in their office, in their neighborhood, in their online group, in their school, etc. So I got I just have a question for you, David. So then when these things are happening, what is their root? Is it um, are they? Do they have roots of anger in, you know, are these roots conscious that you want to self-protect and bring down somebody else, whether it be teasing, sarcasm, you know, what's the root as we're on the Sermon of the Mount? Yeah, I mean, like 
as believers, we understand that, you know, the root of all things is sin. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things sometimes is what caused Adam and Eve to rebel. The father laid out everything for them and said, just this one, fr- this one tree, not mm-hmm. to eat of that. Everything else is yours, including one another in a healthy relationship. And the devil comes along and says, hey, guys, uh, the big guy up stuff, upstairs, he's holding out on the good stuff. And what's it say? They saw the fruit and it looked, you know, delicious to eat and to make them wise in their own eyes. So they ate it and then just exposed. So this sense of the Lord says, Adam, where are you? Walking through the garden. And Adam says, I hid myself because I was afraid. And in some ways, people are hiding themselves. And from a sense of sense of um, even pride or even just sometimes wounded ego, we sometimes put other people down to kind of bolster ourselves mm. because we don't understand who we are mm-hmm. or whose we are. You know, uh, people who are self-differentiated and have a sense of self, they don't need to go around putting other people down, you know, because it, it's not a, it's not something like, well, I can only really be a person if I put Bill down. You know, and, and I need to show my, I have to differentiate and say, what a wonderful person I am. And that requires trying to step on people. And, and, and like, that's not, that's not necessary for the person um, who is growing and allowing God to help them see. Like when we talk about identity from Matthew 3, that the father looks and says, this is my son whom I love with him I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. Identity, security, mm-hmm. and value. Well, you don't need to step on other people if you know who you are. You realize the Father's, you have security in God's love and that he values you just for who you are in Christ. So then you can say, well, wait a minute. It does no good to put another person down. Actually, the reverse. God made you a once in eternity creation. How do we bring the best and most out of you? Mm -hmm. And Rosie, if Christians did that in the workplace today, revolutionary. Right. And you guys can like text in and call us after you get a number of promotions because people don't do that. Right. So. Good stuff. I'm I'm pleased that we're still moving ahead on Sermon on the Mount. We've got a long way to go. A lot of topics to talk about, which I love. And anger and murder. We talked about murder and anger a little bit last time. But do you want to move on to lust and adultery? Or should we continue talking Ooh, about something Why are you else? guys looking at me? You guys are both <laughs> looking at me. I think we, yeah, I mean, like, I mean we, we go in the order. We can go there. And I guess, like, before we, like, get away from anger just for, uh, you know, a second, uh, anger, Webster defies anger as a strong feeling of displeasure and usually of antagonism. You know, the most general term names the reaction, but in itself conveys nothing of intensity or justification. So, like, there can be, like, you know, Good anger, you know, and bad anger. And so so for the person sitting here saying, well, I can't be angry about anything. No, that, that's not the case. Um, you know, the idea that there, there, is a, there is a godly anger, you know, over, you know, injustice, over things that happen, that we should be bothered by it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should be bothered by just kind of, you know, the, the the fruit of a licentious culture that leads to the ending of unborn life. And also of some of the things that we do with policies and procedures that lead even women to feel the need to do that and even not stepping to the other men in our lives that we know to say, 
you know, no, you have a part in this as well and just abandoning people. So, so there's some things that should bother us. It shouldn't just be ho-hum. And uh, I used to love reading, you know, in seminary when they had big newspapers on a Sunday, I'd read the Chicago Tribune. And this is part of our dysfunction, our, our, our schizophrenia, because you can literally um, read of a massive tragedy on one page, turn the page, and then there was like, here's an advertisement. And then the next page is, go get a burger here. And then all these different things. And I remember God stopping me one time and saying, whoa, 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 David, turn back. Do you realize that mudslide, what that just did? Like, hold on. Like, it's not just moving on to, did the Cubs have a good game? And so... Answer just, was no. <laughs> <laughs> or are we talking about the Twins? Oh, No, the Cubs. Oh, I know. Cubs. I, I was in Chicago at that time. Yeah. You know, um, and during the whole Steve Bartman thing, talk about anger. Yeah, right. Yeah, so... Sometimes when I think of anger, I wonder if it, if it's a result of frustration, where you feel so frustrated for so long it turns into anger. Yeah. Well, Unfulfilled desire. I sometimes wonder, are people really angry, or are they just super frustrated? Yes, and both. I mean, yeah, both, both and. and because isn't anger also a byproduct of usually hurt first? Mm-hmm. So Yes, it always starts with hurt. It always starts with hurt. Hurt that doesn't get identified or processed. Exactly. And that turns into more hurt. And right, and multiplies itself. Frustration, and all of a sudden you're mad. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm forgetting the verse in Proverbs that, you know, talks about um, uh, unmet desire or something to the to the effect that it makes the heart sick. Yeah. You know, hope deferred. There hope we deferred. Go. I hope get. deferred. Makes, you know, makes the heart sick, you know, because there's this, there's this sense. And then there becomes this sense of hopelessness. And then it feels like if you come to me and take what little I have, then what's left of me? And, and people can, you know, really react out of a sense of wanting to protect what's, what's there. Proverbs thirteen twelve hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That's great. It is great. Well, and when we long for the Lord and we run to him, anybody who longs for the Lord, and as, as you long for him, you're like, okay, show me. And he does, he shows up. But the more you long, the more he shows up, right? And so I just think that when you're longing for God, then your hope isn't deferred because he's constantly there and revealing himself in every single moment, even in disappointment and suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I forgot his first name, but Collins, who wrote the book um, Christian Counseling, he, he answers a question, why we get angry? Anger is aroused when we feel threatened demeaned or blocked in our progress, Rosie, you were saying this earlier, or Bill, towards some desired goal. And he says, one big thing to remember with anger is sometimes the anger hides the fact that we are hurt or threatened and lets us feel better at someone else's expense. And the idea that hurt and anger always, and we don't always use the word always and never, Mm -hmm. but he's saying that they do go together. So we'll take a little break. This is the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. And we are in the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know, I don't know how much of it we've covered today, but we're going to stay in this series until we get through the whole thing on the Monday afternoon mix. We'll take a short break and be right back.
the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B make a team Monday afternoon mix. So we're talking about anger from Sermon on the Mount. So is it, does it make you angry or frustrated when the fitted sheet comes popping off the corner of the bed at night? <laughs> it makes me angry that I'm the only one making the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the truth, Oops. shame the devil. It That's did what it we again. do. It yeah. popped off the corner. What is with this? How did that happen? <laughs> that makes me so angry. I think just trying to fold fitted sheets, of which my wife loves it and she's super good at it. I just make no one's, a bumble. No one what? can do that. What is that? Oh, like, why did they make that's them like genius that? Genius level. It I mean, is. It's like a Rubik's geni- cube. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's truly the bomb. But you could, we, we you do can get start angry. new religions around people that know how to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, we, there we might do. Be one. There might be one, yeah. You guys, you know, what's interesting is um, coming across this, this story. And the story, uh, it goes like this. It says, um, there was a Hindu saint who was visiting the river Ganges to take a bath. And he found a group of family members on the bank shouting in anger at each other. He turned to his disciples, smiled and asked, why do people in anger shout at each other? Those disciples thought for a while, and one of them said, because we lose our calm, we shout. And he says, but why should you shout when the other person is just next to you? You can just as well tell him what you have to say in a soft manner. They gave some thoughts to their answers, but none of them um, satisfied. Finally, this, this Hindu saint explained, when two people are angry at each other, their hearts distanced a lot. To cover that distance, they must shout to be able to hear each other. The angrier they are, the stronger they will have to shout to hear each other to cover the great distance. But what happens when two people fall in love? They don't shout at each other, but talk softly because their hearts are very close. The distance between them is either non-existent or very small. And concluded, when they love each other, even more what happens, they do not speak, only whisper. Uh, and sometimes they don't even need to use words. And, you know, we see that sometimes where people can literally be like right next to each other. And this is like they are yelling, you know. And so so that that's sometimes even our communication today is just we are distant from one another and, and not seeing us as God made us. And as Jesus saw us when he hung on the cross and said, for that person and for you, it is finished. Well, and I think. You know, it goes back to oftentimes, I think, especially in today, everybody's working with a script. They have some an idea in their head and they're just following their script rather than the listening part of it. And they have a script. They want their voice heard. They want their point made. I think going back to what we were talking about right before we went on break, because their longing isn't fulfilled in the Lord. Like, you don't really need to interrupt. You don't need to shout. If you really know who you are, you may not be heard. And God will is enough to sustain you in that point, right? So it's that missing of that longing. I think, you know, when I asked the question earlier about the root, I feel like it comes back to where is Jesus in your life? Exactly who is he for you? Because if he is the Christ, your Savior, then it kind of takes care of, it doesn't kind of, it does take care of some of our responses that are so knee-jerk. It allows you to take a deep breath and to pause and to choose to respond versus react. Yeah. Ro- Rosie, what you said is just so rich and that whole idea of like we don't feel heard. Mm-hmm. And so like when you read a passage and just how Jesus, he knew everything and yet he asked questions and let people speak. And you take like a Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. You know, in mm-hmm. the various ways that the, the Lord listens and 
you know, he, he knows our, he knows our heart, he knows our thoughts and he invites us into relationship, you know, not just to know things about him or to think about him as the big guy upstairs. No. And if that's for you today, if you're driving, you're like, oh, you know, God's this kind of thing. God really wants to know you personally and, and, and for you to know him in a relationship. And that's why we talk about how God sent his son, Jesus, to live a life we couldn't live, die a death that we couldn't die, and to raise from the dead and offer the gift of eternal life that begins today with a relationship with him. And so we just want to encourage, we want to, we want to implore you um, from where we sit. We love for anyone hearing this right now to accept the gift of eternal life and a relationship with God uh, today. Nothing is more important. This is the most important decision you will ever make. And God is pursuing you if you're responding to this in your spirit right now and thinking, I feel like they're talking to me. Then you need to know that God is drawing you to himself right now. And this could be your day of salvation. And it, it is. You can believe, put your faith and trust in him, give God your allegiance. You will be what the Bible says is born again, a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new is here. Yeah. And that happens just like, you know, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus died, rose from the dead, and have life. Because, you know, Collins in another place in his book notes that anger influences people in four basic ways. One, it can be repressed so that we refuse to admit its presence. You know, you can, you can see the person, their head is about to just pop like a zit. <laughs> on a middle, middle schooler's nose. I mean, just like it's, it's, and they're like, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. It's like, no, nah, really, you are. Um, you know, the other way is to suppress it by deliberately hiding it from other. Another way is to express it in either destructive or harmless ways. And then another one is to confess it to God and to others. And God wants us to bring those things. That when things are just jacked up and everyone runs out, God comes near you know, he comes near yeah. and he invites us mm-hmm. to come to him. Got a very smart listener named Lucy. She said, I think maybe a lot of people experience anger and sorrow or depression because too many righteous people are doing nothing to stand against wickedness. And then she uh, quoted Proverbs twenty five twenty six, which says, like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Ooh, Ooh, that's Ooh, Lucy, that was... Yeah, that's beautiful. Lucy's, Lucy's dialed in today. Oh, my goodness, yes. You have yeah. some smart listeners, Bill. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. yeah. Very smart. Trying to put a gold star on her forehead right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, Lucy. Thank you so much. And I love that, Bill, because, you know, though we get to do this, we have some just really incredible people who listen and have just such neat godly wisdom. And I mm-hmm. love when people text in and email you know, during the show and even offline to say, hey, guys, would love to talk about these things because, you know, we're, we're not here just, you know, for you just to listen to us. We're, we're going because God's word matters, but also we care about the things that are impacting and affecting you. And if you're like, well, I don't think that's a bit good chance that what you want to share and send to us and say, hey, I have a question about this. There's other people. We deeply care about that because yep. we deeply care about you. Yeah. And you've dialed in today to this show and maybe you're hearing these words thinking do they really mean that and the answer is yes we do we really mean it we want you to know that we love you and care about you and we want to answer your questions because the quality of your life is going to be based on the quality of the questions you ask 
So get the questions out there. You know, David, you're a pastor that can handle just about anything that comes your way, and we'll do our very best to find answers for you. So let let me know what the questions are. And we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount for a while. I think we, so. Because we started this with, we're going to do three categories, and we haven't left anger. Right. And we probably could do a whole other show on anger, right? Right. So we'll be right. here for a while. And I, I want to push back, like, you know, Bill, you're saying, like, I'm a pastor and I could do this. Actually, no, I, I want to let you know and actually give an invitation to people. There are a lot of people, <laughs> because I need it, who pray for me and who pray for this show. And if you're a believer, you know, it's, you know, Bill and, and Rosie are, are brilliant and wonderful. And I thank God for the privilege of being able to do it with them. Me, the foolish things of the wild. So if you're a believer, pray for us. Pray for God's wisdom, for God's word to go forward and to encourage people as well. That would be swell. Thank you so much. Pastor David Miles has been my guest and Rosie B. We make up the Monday afternoon mix. Always glad to have you in studio. Look forward to our next time as we continue our discussion of Sermon on the Mount. We're going to take a very short break. And then Joel Malik is coming on the program. He wrote a book called After Work, an honest discussion about the retirement lie and how to live a future worthy of dreams. Take your questions as well, 877-933-2484. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.